Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Let's look at Numbers chapter 13 and 14, if you would, Numbers 13 and 14. And uh, this is quite a story, so quite a powerful story. What happens in this chapter, which is in the parasha today, actually is the event, the critical historic event in our people's history that resulted in the entire generation uh, falling, perishing in the wilderness and never entering the promised land. And God determining, decreeing that only the next generation, that would only a next new generation would enter the promised land. So it's because of this incident here that occurs, not the golden calf incident, like often we think in Nexus 32, but this incident here that resulted in the entire generation not getting into the promised land. So it's a very critical uh, passage here in Numbers chapters 13 and 14. And we see the result the, the uh, very the horrible result of negativity, and we see the mass hysteria that breaks out as a result. And we see the importance of taking a stand against the majority, against public opinion, being willing to take a stand against the majority and public opinion. And so, Father, open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Help us to grow from this. We pray in the name of Yeshua, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> the Minority Report was a uh, movie by, with Tom Cruise in it and um, had noth- has nothing to do with this, but Minority Report is really what we see in this passage of the difference between two and ten, right? Twelve spies or scouts are sent into the land to investigate, to investigate the future, the prospects of the land that God has promised the Jewish people. Ten come back with a negative report, a bad report. Two of those twelve counter that report with a positive report, with an optimistic, faith-based word saying, we can do it. Ten say, we can't do it. Impossible. Two say, why, can't, why not? Why not? And this is the lesson, really, from this. It's an amazing story. Minority part. Do I, do I mind being a part, going against the current, going upstream, Caleb and Joshua, Kalev and Yehoshua, 
wholly followed the Lord. In Numbers 32, verse 12, it says, and also in 1424, it mentions this phrase, translates it here, wholly followed the Lord. Fully, they were fully, they were filled with resolve to be true to the Lord, to him. The Hebrew is, milu achare adonai, milu achare adonai, which really would translate, I would translate fully after Adonai. They're fully behind the Lord. Fully behind the Lord. Fully, picture just achare, is behind, to be after or behind. They're fully, and malay is to be filled, to be full. Fully after the Lord. The rest of the generation was not. They did not fully, fully, were not fully behind the Lord. In 32.11 of Numbers, which says, lo mil'u, God says they were not fully behind me or after me. Now, it's popular. Have you ever noticed? I, I, I always notice it in, when I'm in, especially around secular circles, but it can be even true in, in believing circles, that it's popular to be negative and critical sometimes. It, it's, it's, and it's unpopular sometimes, you know, often to be positive and to not engage in negativity. Now, that's often in the workplace. You, you know, you really would notice it. It's, it's just not popular. Not popular. It's unpopular if you don't engage with others in the negativity and being complaining about things. Uh, everyone wants to complain. It's just, you know. And if you don't, if you stand against that, and if you just counter that with, well, I don't think it's, you know, I won't, you know, no, I think things are fine, you know. To not agree when another is critical or complaining about something. Why? Because we all want to be accepted socially, so we agree. We go along with it. And you ever notice you, you do that and then you feel kind of, kind of dirty? You know, you feel kind of like, you know, why did I agree with that? Why did I? And then it leads to more. Let's, yeah, let's say this is bad or let's say that's bad. Well, this is a really important lesson that we can learn from this chapter here. And it's amazing how 10 people changed the complexure and, and, and affected the whole nation. Masses of people, just 10. And this is where, by the way, the quorum, the, the, the minion in Jewish life comes from this passage, that 10 form a minion in Jewish circles of prayer. You know, it takes 10 people. The nation decided to send a reconnaissance mission in 13.2. Adonai spoke to Moses saying, send some men on your behalf to investigate the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel, the land of Canaan. Each man of you are to send, each man of you are to send will be a prince of the tribe of the fathers, a man from each tribe. And so he names all the lists of the people and Joshua and Caleb are among them. But the Hebrew is shalach lecha, send for yourself. Go ahead, basically. Permission given. It's up to you. But it's not my idea. We know from Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, that it was the people's initiative and that Moses got talked into it. Now, we think of Moses such a strong man of God, but he got swept into it here. And he gave in. And he said, okay, well, everyone wants to do it. All right, let's do it. Kulam, 
or kulem it is in Hebrew, and it's everyone. They, all of you, all of you, they approached Moses. They said in Deuteronomy 1, 22 and 23, let's send men ahead of us to explore the land for us and bring back word about the way we should go up. And Moses said that the idea seemed good to, it seemed good to me. It was good in my eyes. He got persuaded. It sort of reminds you of, the, of when Nathan uh, was persuaded by David about building, him building a temple. Remember, David wanted to build a temple to the Lord for the Lord in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And then the Lord came to him afterward and said, uh-uh, uh-uh, not going to happen. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Now, this idea of investigating the land in verse 2, investigate the land of Canaan, send uh, their sent to explore it, why would they need to search out the land which God had already promised to give them? Why would they need to do that? Investigate means the, the Hebrew word tur means to search purposely for knowledge. And now, again, if you, you, know, if you have to play a team or play a, an individual in a sport... I mean, you want to know about your opponent, yeah. You do want to find out their weaknesses so you can exploit those weaknesses, you know, hopefully, you, if you're going to play them, you know, against them in a, in a sport. You, if you find out what, you know, that's the idea. You know, and I'm sure in an army and in, in, in the military, you would, obviously, your enemy, you wouldn't want to find out the... But this, in this case, God already said, I'm going to give you this land. You're going to go, and I'm with you, so we're going to win. So they didn't need to do this. This is different. But they thought they needed to. And look what he says in verses 16 through 20. It says, Are the people living in the Canaan strong or weak, few or many? Is the land good or bad? Are the cities unwalled or do they have fortifications? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there trees in it, on it or not? You know what this sounds like to me? It sounds like it reminds me of Genesis chapter 2, way back in the beginning. The tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil, right? Tov uh, good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than the tree of what? Life, etz chaim. The tree of the life in Genesis 2.9 was in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and, e- good and evil. And Yeshua said, if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is evil, worthless, your whole body will be full of darkness. And I think there's an interesting principle here of duality versus singularity. Eating from the tree of, the no- of knowledge Comparing, weighing, evaluating, measuring, trusting in my perception rather than focusing on God and trusting in him and declaring his truth, eating from the tree of life. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 says, walking in the futility of their mind, 
having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the Chaim of God, Elohim, the life of God. Be the be Zoe in the Greek, the life of God. <clears throat> 13, in chapter 13, 27 and through 33, it says, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. So they came back with this report in chapter 13. They, the spies come back. The, they come back and they say, We came to the land. It flows with milk and honey. Chalav uh, davash. Milk and honey. Land of milk and honey. By the way, what kind of honey was that? Date honey. Yeah, Edward just came back. Right, date honey. Not... Not bee honey, so like we said, it's date honey. Mmm, those dates up in the Galilee. Oh, yum, yum. Nothing like them. So good. Milk and honey. And this is its fruit. So they come back and they show some of the fruit. However, uh-oh. However, I have to add that word. The people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that, saw, that we saw in it are of great height. We seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them like grasshoppers. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs said, This was nonsense. He says, they should have known, and they should have known it. They had left Egypt, the greatest empire of the ancient world, after a series of plagues that brought that great country to its knees. They had crossed the seemingly impenetrable barrier of the Red Sea. They had fought the, and defeated the Amalekites, a ferocious warrior nation. They should have known that the people of the land were afraid of them, not the other way around, as Rahab had told the spies sent by Joshua 40 years later. Here's what she had said. I know that the Lord has given you the land when the spies had come to Rahab. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. Praise God. That's in Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Wow. She was a Gentile and she knew the Lord, believed in the God of Israel. She was saved. She knew the Lord. So they come back with this report. And yet they doubt. They don't trust God. They don't believe. And they use that word except. It's Ephes. Let's say the word Ephes. Ephes is the word for except or but. King James uses nevertheless. It really means disappear. It means it's valueless. And it's over. In other words, Disregard everything I previously said. Forget God's promises. It's too difficult. And in uh, verses 28 and 29, he said, we, we've even saw the sons of Anak there. Amalek, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, Canaanites. And you know, we see this acceleration into an emotional frenzy as they start talking about, you know, the more you talk about how scary things are and 
go on to it more and more and more. It just builds up, right? And that's what happens in your mind. And before you know it, boom, it's over. You're, you're in an emotional frenzy. And, you, you know, we've, we've all done it in our emotions. And we now, we're, now we just can't even see. God has become so small. And the problems and the worries and the, 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 the issues become so, so vast and large. And God is not even in the equation now. And this is what happens. And this spreads like a California wildfire. Caleb, it says, so what happens? Caleb tries to stop it, verse 30, 1330. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. The Hebrew word I looked at, it's hasa, hasa the root. It means hushed. He silenced them. It's like, I think it's, I remember uh, uh, Rabbi David, David Chernoff, he said like, uh, he was talking about trying to get people quiet in a big room, especially when you get a lot of Jewish people. And he says, they found out the best thing that works. You know what the best thing that works? You can, you can say, quiet, be quiet. And no one's listening. Quiet, quiet. And he says, the only thing that works is, shh. <laughs> when you go, shh, it's, it, everyone be quiet. <laughs> well, he, he tries to get them quiet. He says, and he says, what does Caleb say? Let us go up at once and take possession. Interrupt. Stop it. Stop thinking. Stop doing it. Stop talking about all this. Stop talking about all the negativity. Stop doing it. For we are well able to overcome it. And he, he, what is he doing? Caleb is attempting to realign them with the mind of God. With the truth. To recalibrate them with God's will. So that they can see clearly. But the men who had gone up in verse 31 with him said, we are not able. They are, heels are in the ground. They're just refusing to be open to God's spirit here. They're saying, we're not able to go against the people for they're stronger than we are. Oh my goodness. This is why it was so serious to God. They wouldn't, they weren't opening to, to correction. Verse 32 says, they brought, and so verse 32, and they gave an evil report. In verse 32 they spread among the children of Israel a bad report. It says the Hebrew word is dibat, chatter. It's the same word used that Joseph, when Joseph talked to dad, his dad about his brothers. It's a, a report, chatter, that weakens. It's verbiage. It's slander. It can be whispering. It's, it's, and it's, it's I, you know, Unwise words, I would, I would translate my unwise words that cause distrust and turmoil. This contagion of corruption. And it results in what happens in chapter 14. They, they just go on and on. Natural analysis is always limited and it's always distorted. These are, um, let me give you, I've given them before on this subject, two of my favorite verses from Isaiah. Isaiah 51, verses 12 and 13 say this. I, the Lord is speaking, I, I, a, I am the one who comforts you. Who are you that you should fear man who dies or a son of man who is given up like grass? But you forget Adonai, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. 
Are you in constant dread all day because of the fury of the oppressor as he makes ready to destroy? But where is the fury of the oppressor? God says, what you're fearing isn't real. But you've so built it up in your mind that that's your reality. But you've forgotten me. I'm not in the picture. You see, Joshua and Caleb, everything they did was through the prism of God. Look in chapter 14. It's amazing. Three times the Lord is used. I looked it up just again here. I was looking again. Verses 8 and 9. When Joshua and Caleb, it says they are speaking. And they said, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land and it will give it to us. A land flowing with milk and honey. Only don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They will be food for us. They'll be food for us. The protection over them is gone. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. See, everything they did was through God. It was, we see it through God first. It's not what's against us. It's God is for us. That's what matters. Fearing man and forgetting God is all based on faulty evaluation. One conclusion is based upon man's ability, the other upon God's ability. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 and 8, 5 through 8 says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man and depends on flesh as his arm and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Remember, he'll be like a tree planted by the water, brings forth fruit in his season. Cursed is the man who sees the heat when it comes. So the other one, the other one sets the Lord before them, in Psalm 16, 8, his direction, his command, his promise, that's Caleb and Joshua. The other, the ten spies, the ten scouts, they disregards the Lord and his word, allowing it to be eclipsed by emotional response to external conditions. One weighs the challenges against our capabilities. The other weighs the challenges against an omnipotent creator. If God is for us, who is against us. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Romans 8.31 and 1 John 4.4. Numbers 30 verses 13, verse 30 and 31. Look at it. One says, we can. Yahul nuchol, I think it would be in Hebrew. Yahul nuchol. Yahul nuchol. Of course. Basically, of course we can. It's a doubling of the verb, Caleb saying. Of course we can. The ten spies saying, lo nuchal. We can't. We cannot. One, of course we can. The other, we cannot. So, for Father's Day, I got France. She didn't want to go, but she agreed to go with me to uh, see Top Gun. I liked one thing he kept saying. Don't think, just do. Don't think, just do. Just go by what, listen, God has already given it to us. So just don't, over, don't try to think it all, just do it. It's, uh, and this is 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of the Messiah. So 
What happens here, as we know, all through the night we see in chapter 14, the first few verses, the entire community raised up their voices, it says. The people wept. They said, they grumbled. They said, if only we had died in Egypt, if only we had died in the wilderness. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What kind of perspective? They they weren't seeing things clearly. And we know it. I, I mean... You don't when you're, in it, when you're seeing things in your emotions and the hot sun and, on, and all the worries. Why is the Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? It wasn't true. They couldn't see clearly. Our wives, our children will be like plunder. No, they wouldn't. Would it be better for us to return to Egypt? No, it wouldn't. Natural, national rather, national mass hysteria. As I said, like a wildfire fire in California, it just spreads. And... Uh, they even can't remember how bad it was in Egypt. They're not even thinking about that. They're thinking it was now. But what a difference. The faithful minority versus an unfaithful majority here. One-sixth of the scouts true to God. Two out of 12. Joshua and Caleb. Eme is an, is an Eme versus an Ephes, right? Eme. Ephes is, we can't, you know, Ephes, forget it. Ephes, you know, uh, Eme is if, whether on condition, in case, the only deciding factor is God. doesn't matter. Ephes is, oh no. Eme is, oh yes. Ephes is, oy vey. Eme is, oh yay. All right? One side weighs and evaluates everything in the natural. The other side, everything through the prism of God and his word, the living God and his word, his promise, his command, outlook versus uplook. All right? Oh, no. Or let's go rather than let's go. Impossible to win. Impossible to win versus impossible not to win. Impossible not to win. And God tells Moses, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me, basically. Same thing he told um, Samuel, the prophet, um, when they wanted a king. And, uh, and so God is going to actually purge the people, start, wants to push the restart button through Moses, start all over again. Moses intercedes. And they're not... They're, not going to dis- they're going to be destroyed, not, not all at once, but little by little. The whole generation is going to have to die. Everyone over 19 years of age would die in the desert, not inherit the land. And traditionally, in Judaism, this occurred. Traditionally, we don't know, but it's, it's, in Judaism says it occurs, occurred on the ninth day of the Hebrew month of Av, the darkest day on the Jewish calendar, which is the, the day of the destruction of both, te- both temples and uh, the, I believe of the Jews being, of us being driven out of Spain as well. And, um, and so this is the story. The convincing majority opinion of the ten scouts swayed and condemned an entire generation to 40 years of futile wandering. But Caleb and Joshua, 1424, thank God, they said, he says, my servant Caleb... Has an, is, has an after, you know, that word says translates different spirit. It's an after, it's in the Hebrew, an after or behind me spirit with him. He's fully behind me. So which spirit will we have? 
right? Which spirit will we have? Father, we thank you. We want to have that Joshua and Caleb spirit being fully behind you, being in the faithful minority, not the unfaithful majority. We thank you, Lord. Help us. We know we failed. We can easily all have, we all have failed and many times, I'm sure, in all of these, in these areas. But we thank you. We are determined to be in that minority that is nest, oftentimes unpopular but pop, with, with man, but popular with you, Lord. It pleases you our, through our faith, our trust. And we thank you, Lord, for the blessing that comes. If you've never trusted Yeshua in your life, what a time to do it right now to say, Lord God, I want to know you. I want to trust you. Thank you for dying for my sins, Yeshua, Jesus. I invite you to come into my life. I let go of my pride, and I humble myself to receive you today. I need you. Forgive me. Come into my life. And if you're praying that prayer, uh, contact us. If you're watching online, if you're here today, please come, come and uh, pray with someone after service. But Yeshua, Jesus, is coming into your life right now. The moment you ask him, open the door to your heart, and he'll come right in, just like he has done for anyone, everyone in this room that has trusted him and countless thousands and millions of others that have had their lives changed. He can do it in your life in a moment and uh, give you a brand new start. Thank you, God. We love you. We thank you. Praise you. Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you that this benediction, we often say, may the Lord bless you. But truly, it's, um, it's that you already have blessed, and we just need to receive. The blessing has already been given. We just need to accept it. So let us accept what the Lord has freely given us this day. The Lord blesses you and keeps you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon you and is gracious unto you. The Lord bestows favor upon you and gives you peace. Amen. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen.